On today's episode of Secrets to Scaling Your E-Commerce Brand, I got a chance to chat with Kate Swanson from Ensemble. We had an amazing conversation. Ensemble, their average order value is just over $1,000. And so this is quite a large purchase for people to make. And we walked through a few things that you potentially wouldn't think of when you're thinking of a product uh, that costs that much and what the marketing cycle looks like and all of that. I think everyone will get something out of this episode today. I know that I did. Enjoy. Hey guys, before we begin, I want to talk to you about how to grow your e-commerce brand in a post iOS 14.5 world. If you're doing over seven figures in D to C, you need to hear this. Back when Facebook ads were absolutely crushing it and driving massive amounts of revenue, setting up basic flows and sending out occasional email campaigns used to cut it, SMS marketing included. You'd see it constantly and so would we when we were looking at accounts at Mindful Marketing. Brands earning 20 to 45% of their total revenue with email marketing with maybe three to four hours of work a month. And that's because they just set up some basic flows and then silence. But now that the Facebook algorithm has stopped spitting out such ridiculous returns, where do we go? Retention. But it requires marketers to go deeper than simple templated flows and copy and pasted campaigns, which we've seen all the time. It requires actually having a system that increases the LTV of your customers and then actually realizing that entire customer lifetime value in a shorter period of time. And hopefully even seeing a higher LTV. We're saddened to see brands do all the same things with their emails and SMS, and we're sick of auditing agency accounts who simply set up welcome flows and show off how many sales they make. Anyone can set up a welcome flow, abandoned cart flow, etc. That is the simple stuff, guys. The real key in retention marketing is digging deep into your market, copy, offer, your creative, and then pairing that with a strategy that turns one-time buyers into two-time buyers, into three-time buyers, and on and on, just like we've seen at our brands. So if you want to find out exactly Exactly how deep our retention marketing strategy goes, book a quick wins call with our team and we will show you exactly how we drive more repeat sales for our clients and hopefully how you can too. Go to mindfulmarketing.co slash quick wins. That's mindfulmarketing.co slash quick wins, all one word. Now on to today's episode. This episode of Secrets to Scaling Your E-Commerce Brand is brought to you by my favorite SMS platform in the world, PostScript. They are the leading SMS vendor for growing Shopify and Shopify Plus brands. They are loved by companies like Olipop, Kopari, Brooklinen, and 6,000 more, including all of my brands. Get a free 30-day trial of PostScript at postscript.io slash install. And sure, they're a sponsor, but seriously, I absolutely love these guys. One of the biggest issues that I had was sending SMS messages to multiple countries, and I wanted to send them all at the same time. But the issue was some of the other providers out there won't allow you to send to multiple countries at the same time. And that was causing our marketing teams massive headaches. Postscript solves that problem, as well as their pricing is just upfront. You can see exactly what you are going to pay every single month, and you can cap it for your marketing managers so they know how much you actually want to spend on your SMS marketing. It's an incredible tool, and I highly recommend it. Again, go to postscript.io slash install, and please tell them that Jordan West sent you. 
Hey guys, Jordan West back here with another episode of Secrets to Scaling Your E-Commerce Brand. Uh, today, I am very excited to talk to a brand owner and the type of brand uh, that we don't really get to talk to too often on this podcast. I think you guys are really going to enjoy this one. I'm going to be talking to Kate Swanson uh, from Ensemble. Kate, welcome to Secrets to Scaling Your E-Commerce Brand. Hey, Jordan. Thanks so much for having me. Yes, yes. And we are in the same country. It's always nice talking to other Canadians. Oh, actually, I didn't even figure out if you're Canadian or not. You live in Montreal, so. (laughs) I am Canadian based in Montreal. And it's great to talk to someone else who is from Canada. (laughs) Awesome. You just sound Canadian. So I just, uh, I was just going to go ahead and assume that. (laughs) So Kate, for people who know nothing about you and nothing about Ensemble, tell us a little bit about who you are and what you guys do. Yeah, for sure. So I'm Kate. I am a lawyer turned entrepreneur and the founder of Ensemble. Ensemble is a modern housewares brand. We make high performance, multifunctional products that are really focused on saving space. Our first product is Stackware. It is a collection of nesting, fully clad pots and pans that are made with patented removable handles, flat lying lids, and the entire set takes up about 70% less space than what your traditional cookware would require. Yeah, we been in selling mode for about a year now and yeah it's Mm. just it's been it's been wild it's uh it's crazy and I must say much more fun than being a lawyer yeah yeah okay so I want to get into a couple things here first of all what kind of lawyer were you I was a securities lawyer Oh, a securities lawyer. Interesting. Okay. If you want to do uh, an IPO, definitely happy to chat. Can walk you through that process. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Perfect one. And maybe potentially that's in your future. Who knows? <laughs> there we go. That, that, that would be the dream. Absolutely. Okay. So securities lawyer turned entrepreneur. Where did this idea come from? Because I, I want to just before you tell me about the idea, I just want to say how much I hate going into the cupboards in my house and having the pots and pans like literally on top of each other. It is so frustrating. Like this is a massive pain point for people. I'm sure you know, this is probably why you created it. Yeah, no, I mean, the pots and pans cupboard is traditionally just like the worst game of Tetris that you've ever been presented with. And you're forced to play it like every single day. It's awful. The idea for me uh, for creating Ensemble and like for our first product stackware really came from my own experience. I was living in Toronto at the time with my husband. We had moved from like apartment to apartment. We were both working downtown, living close to work. Our places were big for Toronto, but not massive. And the problem that we were facing, no matter where we seemed to move, was that we had no space to store anything in our kitchen. We both really loved to cook. And we didn't think we had like an absorbent amount of products in our home, but it was just like it was impossible to fit anything. And as a result, our home was kind of just like organized chaos or that like terrible game of Tetris that like we just talked about. And it was in like one of the new condos that we were moving into, we were putting things away and trying to fit everything in this like awkward stack to get it into the cupboard. And I looked at the pots and I was like, literally half of this cupboard is taken up by the fact that these handles jut out. And I sat there staring at it. And I was like, well, like, what if what if they were gone? Like, what if we could just take them off? And I just kept looking at it. And I was like, no, but wait, what if we could take these handles off? This would literally this would solve the entire problem. And I my husband and I like to camp a lot. So we had a set of camping pots and pans that like employ the same idea. Yeah, I was I've totally got the camping ones like that. But they're kind of annoying too. Yeah. And that was the thing is that like, they are very annoying, but it's because of the way the handle has been made. And like, you know, the pots are camping, they're supposed to be light, but I spent a really time. And it's not supposed to be easy when you go camping. Yeah, no, camping is supposed to be hard. No, if camping, (laughs) if camping was easy, they would just call it like life. Like, yeah. 
camping is not supposed to be easy. But so I was sort of like looking at this camping cookware set that I had looking at my own cupboard. And you know, the lawyer in me was like, okay, let's like research the hell out of this. Like how like, how is cookware made? Like, is there a reason that this handle needs to be attached? Like in all instances, other than when we're camping? Is there a reason that it's going to change like the way you flip something? Is there is it going to change something about how you would take a pot like on and off the stove or put it in the oven? And just like all of these questions that I sort of had going through my head. And what I found basically was that the cookware industry, it's it's a really old industry. It's just kind of stagnated in terms of like design and innovation. And the depressing answer was like, pots are made this way because they've always been made this way. And people have decided, or like the companies making cookware have decided that the status quo is fine. And that really didn't sit well with me. I was like, the status quo is not acceptable here. People are living really differently now than they were in like the 50s and the 60s when a lot of these companies initially got started. We deserve design that's kept up with the way that our lives have changed. And yeah, everything just kind of went from there. Teamed up with a really great designer. We created what I think is just like an incredible experience for a removable handle. I've become like the biggest cookware nerd on the planet, knowing all about like plies and materials and like thermal diffusivision and like all this crazy cookware stuff. And yeah, now now I make cookware. Wow. <laughs> what a change. So, uh, I mean, you're you're on this podcast, which means that you've had some sort of success, right? We don't just have like people who have, you know, <laughs> done nothing. In the first year, you guys did incredibly well. Isn't that right? Yeah, we've had a really great first year. I feel just like extremely lucky. Like it is it is hard to sell product, but I think we were fortunate that we spent a long time before actually launching our product, really digging into who we thought was going to be excited about buying it. And then when we launched, trying to be as laser focused as possible on going after that customer and that customer only. Mm. So let's talk about how the first year went. What was working as far as marketing is concerned? And sorry, let me just before preface, before that question, people who've listened to the last couple hundred episodes know I just go on tangents all the time. So before I ask you that question, let's talk about the product and the amount of money that it costs to buy a set. What kind of investment are people making in this? Yeah, so... Stackware, it is an investment, and I'm really happy that you call it that. Our full six set, which is like the most fulsome set of product, it includes six cooking vessels, five lids, three handles. It retails for 1029 US uh, regular price. So yeah. this isn't something that you're going to necessarily buy on a whim, but I think that cookware should be a very considered purchase. It's something that if made right, it can last you a lifetime. It doesn't need to be something that you're going to be constantly replacing. And so there's value in looking for something that is quality, high performance that, yeah, that is, that is built to last for you. But again, that comes with a higher price tag. And so it's not something that you're just going to, you know, like randomly decide to purchase one day. You're going to have likely put a lot of thought into it. With one of the brands that that we own, we do actually all, all the brands that we own, we do post-purchase surveys. And one of them in particular, we ask people, uh, how long did you know about us before you purchased? Most people, and this is a clothing brand, most people say that they knew about us anywhere from a month to 12 months before they purchased, right? This is for a clothing brand. Now think about the attribution cycle of Google and Facebook and TikTok and Snapchat and all the sort of like normal channels. Their attribution windows are seven days. That's it. That's it. Seven days, right? Like how many days have you guys got this down to a science now where you know how many days from first contact to when somebody purchases are? Do you have any rough timelines on that? 
So I think our customers fall into like a couple of different buckets, but I would say the group that will probably be our longest term customer base, I would say they take anywhere between like four months to eight months in order to commit to a purchase. There's definitely, we have customers who are, I want to say a little bit faster to pull the trigger. We've had some really incredible press coverage in the Wall Street Journal, for example. And a lot of that traffic that came to our site, sort of like saw it in the Wall Street Journal, came to the site, purchased immediately at most, maybe came back for like one, like one repeat session. But those customers, I think, fit slightly more into the exception rather than the rule or, or where we see our long-term growth coming from. Gotcha. Gotcha. So that's, I was actually thinking, I was like, oh man, how many months is this going to take for me to convince my wife that this is the cookware that we need? So four, four to eight months sounds just about right when it comes to that. So how does that work for marketing? How are you guys able to build a machine that is able to, you know, predictably acquire customers when it takes that long for them to go through the funnel? Yeah. So this is something that we've spent a lot of time trying to like process and sort through because, you know, we are a digitally native brand. And I think it's easy to sort of get lumped into what other D2C or digitally native brands are, are doing, which is a very heavy strategy on like Facebook ads, Google ads as the sole method of acquiring customers. And again, just with like the way the attribution windows work and, you know, it's very different to hit somebody with 20 20 ads when your product is $20, as opposed to hitting somebody with 20 ads when it's a thousand, like it's just doesn't quite compute the same way. And so for us, what we have found to be more successful is to sort of start off with a like a thoughtful introduction to our brand, which we're doing, I think, a really great job of through our own content creation and sort of doing like a slow drip of educating customers, getting them excited, you know, answering any questions to your point, like how long will it take to convince your wife? I want your wife to be really sure about these pots when she decides to actually say like, okay, Jordan, let's go ahead and buy them. And I don't want to bombard her in one day with all of that information because it's just too much to process. And so we like to do sort of that like slow drip over like a month or two with kind of, uh, yeah, all of the information that you need in order to make a really informed decision about what we hope is going to be the last set of cookware that you're ever going to need to buy. So we've had a lot of success with that. We've also had really great success going after very strategic organic press And again, this is something that, you know, I think at the start, it was like, all press is great press and like all traffic to the site is going to be great traffic. And just realizing that, you know, that's not a great use of my time, my team's time to be chasing just anything and everything. We want to be really deliberate about who we're going after, where we're going to get coverage and how that coverage is going to present the brand, who's going to see it and how that's going to attract customers to come back to our site. Oh, absolutely. What's one big mistake that you guys made when you first started out? One of the biggest mistakes, uh, we ran for probably about two weeks, a lead gen campaign on Facebook. And I won't tell you how much we spent on it, but I was not pleased. We got so many signups. This was like the lowest cost per email acquisition that's like ever happened, like in the history of Facebook advertising, I'm quite convinced. (laughs) But it was basically a useless list that it created for us. It was a list of people who never had any intention of buying. And again, it was this lead gen where we had cast our net really wide, just being like, you know, any email address is great. The bigger the list, the better. And that's not the case that this list needs to be tailored with people who are serious about the purchase and being we were like after that experience we realized just how laser focused we had to be 
and that it was okay to say no to something, even if it was a strategy that had worked for 10 other brands that we were friends with. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, that's a great learning. I've got a question for you, and I I should have done this in some of my pre-research, but I'll I'll do it on the podcast. Do you guys have an option for a payment plan when somebody comes to the website? I'm just thinking like $1,000 product uh, as far as like your core bundle is concerned. Do you have like a payment plan or is this something where where somebody's really being like, okay, well, I'm going to spend a thousand bucks right now? Yeah. So we actually do have a payment plan option. (laughs) That's hard to say. We haven't had a single customer use it. No way. Yeah, we haven't had a single so, customer use it. I, again, I think it's something... You, what, what does that tell you demo-wise, like demographics-wise? So I think what's interesting is that our customers are predominantly male. And I I always use my husband for anything that's like male-related. I'm like, you're just going to be my example for the way all men shop. He doesn't want to be reminded about something that he purchased like month after month after month. He wants to buy it and just kind of be done with it. And like, yeah. it'll come and he'll love it and he'll be excited. But that like slow drip of a payment plan that doesn't really resonate with him in the same way. I mean, I think it also speaks to the fact that typically right now, what we're seeing are uh, customers that are higher earners that are able to sort of like process and then afford that investment level product. Well, especially if they're spending four months, four to eight months thinking about this potential product, right? They're they're obviously like, okay, I got to kind of budget for this. Maybe I won't go out for 10 meals and I can afford it that way. Exactly. That's how I would think about it. Uh, Kate, I got to ask you the question I ask everyone who comes on the podcast. What is your secret to scaling? Ooh, my secret to scaling. Honestly, I think my secret is definitely that you have to believe in yourself, like a, like just like a crazy amount. And you have to be relentless in everything that you do for your business. And if you can't say that you're going to be like crazy about believing and relentless in your actions, I don't think you're going to be able to scale. Hmm. It's interesting how much mindset and those little shifts can actually make such a massive difference, especially when like, as a business owner, you guys know who who are listening to this, like, and, and most of you guys have kind of built your, your business beyond seven and eight figures who are listening. And you, you guys know, it's so hard, especially at the beginning, if you don't have that positive reinforcement, that constant positive, whether it's self-talk or people in your life. So I'm with you, Kate. That's a great secret. I love that. Thank you. I got three more questions for you, Kate. I hope that you're ready. I'm ready. Okay. First question for you. Favorite tool or app that you're using right now? I am obsessed with Noisly, which is a like a noise canceling app. It will allow me to work quite literally anywhere because it just blocks out everything else around. Oh, Noisly. Cool. Well, make sure to put that link in the show notes. Second question for you. Favorite podcast or audiobook that you're listening to? Ooh, favorite audiobook. I am a giant Hillary Clinton fan. Hillary, if Ooh. you're listening, I love you. Um, and I just finished the book that she did, State of Terror, with Louise Penny. It's phenomenal. And like a really great awesome. break from work. <laughs> yes, yes. I love having those breaks from business thoughts too. Uh, Kate, last question for you. If you could sit down with anybody, you get an hour with them, they have to be alive. You could have some coffee, tea, beer, wine, whiskey, whatever you like. Who would it be? Ooh, Elon Musk. Okay. Why, why Elon? Why Elon? He is fundamentally changing the way that we think about transport every day. And he is bringing the entire world along with his vision for electric cars. We wouldn't be as close to we are with basically like abolishing like the, like the gas vehicle without Elon's contribution and what he's built at Tesla. I think he is phenomenal. He, I would, yeah, I'd love to be able to sit down with him. 
I liked your why there. That was good. Kate, awesome conversation. Thank you for sharing your journey so far. I'm really looking forward to following you guys and seeing what you do. Uh, I think that your product looks absolutely phenomenal. I'll give you the uh, the address to, for you to send the samples uh, over to my house uh, after this. And uh, just kidding. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> so, so great to, to chat with you. Where can people find out more about you and connect with you and also Ensemble? Yeah, for sure. Uh, so Ensemble's website is Get Ensemble. Uh, Ensemble is E-N-S-E-M-B-L dot com. And you can reach me at every founder's favorite email address, Kate at getensemble.com. I check my own email and I respond to everyone. So send me a message. Awesome. Well, thanks again so much for your time today, Kate. Thank you so much, Jordan. This has been really fun. Hey guys, we hope you really enjoyed today's episode. Can we ask you a favor? Hit subscribe so that you never miss an episode and share this with your e-commerce store owner friends. We also love reviews. So if you could leave us one on Apple Podcasts, that would mean so much to us. Just a reminder from the beginning of the episode, our team at Mindful Marketing is rapidly growing and we have room for one new brand a month that's looking to grow. Now, before you apply, please note that we're only looking for businesses that are ready to scale and have the capacity and the inventory for a large influx of orders. This opportunity is only available to brands that have had at least one year of sales history and are ready for explosive growth. If this sounds like you, go to mindfulmarketing.co slash apply and start the process today. I hope you guys have a great week.